0: Coming up to 7.06 on CJAD, welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. How are you, Josh? Excellent, Dan. And this evening, our uh, profiled entrepreneur is Eric LeClaire of, uh, of Vicon Rubber. Eric, how are you? Good evening. Thank you. Very well. So welcome to the program, and we usually start by just uh, telling us a bit about your business. So tell us about uh, Vicon Rubber.
1: Vicon Rubber. Uh, We've been around for a little bit over nine years, uh, specializing in rubber gaskets and seals, Uh, so molded and extruded, uh, all done uh, as per the customer's request or our design. So design optimization, uh, prototyping, anything that has to do with the development of the product all the way to production.
2: What type of industries does it usually serve?
1: Uh, various industries. We can serve uh, the lighting industry, trucks, uh, automotive to a certain extent, uh, aerospace, medical, biotech. Uh, rubber seals and gaskets are, are, are very close to everywhere.
2: Everybody needs some rubber. That's what you're saying. Most, Somewhere. most people do.
1: Excellent. So <laughs> now,
2: now let's take that, that nine-year step back and kind of let us know how you got into Bike Owner, how it got started. Where was your background? Was it in this business? What kind of happened?
1: Uh, I've got quite a bit of background in the rubber business. I was uh, working for another rubber company for a good five years. Uh, Worked my way up from uh, quality into sales, into purchasing, took care of production. Uh, And throughout that whole process, uh, probably about four years in, I started to think, well, this is probably something I'd like to do on my own. And it took me about three years to finally come around and, and do something about it, being prodded on by by one of my mentors back in the day. And uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting process to go through, just to actually get to the point where I said, you know what, I, I've got to do this on my own.
2: Did you basically get <clears throat> fed up, and you know, you, things were out of your control? You saw that things could be done better, and and they were going nowhere. So you said, I I, I can't stay.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's right right on the right on the mark, actually. Uh, what, I, I think when when you when you start realizing that uh, things aren't going your way, and you get very frustrated by a lot of stuff going on in in, in big business, mostly, and in, in some small businesses as well. Uh, and, and I've got a pretty hard head, so I like things do, uh, doing things my own way to a certain extent. Uh, so the only way to do them yourself, really, uh, is to to have your own company.
2: So you're venturing off. You're starting off Vicone. What's the first steps? I mean, you you haven't never owned your company before. You haven't really been the entrepreneur. Although I'm sure you've been making decisions quite along the way in your in your previous employment. What are the first steps? And are you doing this alone?
1: Well, the first steps is just a lot of research to to try and find out what kind of resources are out there to to help you start your business, whether it be uh, financially or uh, just administratively, with uh, you know different types of business plans out there or resources that are available locally through the government and stuff like that so there's quite a bit of groundwork to do in the beginning to make sure that you're 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 well prepared
2: let's let's talk about business plans because a lot some people overlook them a lot of people are everybody's aware of them not everybody wants to do them even though they're a very important aspect and not just for banks and financing but for yourself for the entrepreneur him or herself it's a great plan it's a great guideline uh to work with Tell us your experience with a business plan. Were you familiar with one? Did you absolutely insist when you were going in uh, that you needed one? Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Well, it, I've got a love-hate relationship with business plans. <laughs> uh, it, it's it, it's definitely a, a very value-added process to go through, and I wouldn't recommend anyone starting a business without one. Uh, that being said, it's a very arduous process. It's it's long, and it takes a lot of hours to, to put a really good one together. Uh, depending on what industry you're in and the, the kind of market research you have available to you, uh, it's definitely worth going through all the, all the due diligence to make sure that you're actually putting together something that's viable. Um, we had a lot of help in the beginning. I actually started the business with a partner back then. Um, and we had a lot of help through, uh, the CLD, uh, locally in the MRC de Montagne. Uh, to help us get through the first steps and how to create a business plan with uh, templates and resources and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, that's it's definitely an important part of, of starting a business.
2: Did you monitor the business plan? Did you kind of check it or validate it over the first little while of your business?
1: Uh, or did you
2: draft it and kind of, <laughs> kind of run from there?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. In, in, in small business, uh, things change fast. So uh, what you think you're starting out with might not necessarily be what actually happens six months down the road, let alone three years. Uh, so so going through the whole process, yes, we look back on it every now and again to see where we were to check to make sure that, you know, okay, well, we're still making money, uh, which was the thing that we checked the most often. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much market share and stuff like that or, you know, uh, I, I was more concerned with the bottom line than uh, following the business plan. The business plan was a guide and it was a business model that we were using to... Uh, to run the company,
2: it's interesting. You're, you're talking about things that you measure and what you measured at the inception of your business. Are they different than what you measure today? Like, are you looking at your certain aspects, uh, financial or otherwise, today that are different than nine years ago?
1: Um, I wouldn't say they're different. I'd say they're just more complex. Uh, being a smaller company, you can get away with just by looking at the bank statement at the end of the month and say, okay, well, We've made money <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when you get a little further on and you get more employees, more overhead, uh, capital investments and all that fun stuff. Then the accounting part takes over and makes things a little bit more complex. So it's, it's a little harder to measure things uh, in this, in, in the literal sense because it takes more work. Uh, but you know, with a good accounting system and a good accountant obviously uh, makes those things a lot easier. So there's more things being measured, but ultimately it's the same thing at the end of the line. Are we making money?
2: Now let's take a step back. You started with a partner. Uh, how did you find this person? Did you were you guys on the same page? Tell us a little bit about your beginning experience with starting off with a new partner.
1: Well, uh, starting up the company, uh, I actually approached one of my old employees uh, who worked at the other uh, rubber company that we uh, that I worked at, and uh, I pitched him and, and asked him if he wanted to start a company with me, and uh, went from there.
2: Did you guys have to? invest money or it was just really time and effort
1: both <laughs> all the above uh, yeah everything was proportionate to the amount of shares that were were, were part of the uh, the business deal really
2: now were you guys of the same did you have the same division were you on the same page did you complement each other did you or were you overlapping quite a bit
1: there there was some overlap in the beginning in terms of skill set uh we both had sales background uh which is a good thing and uh, when you're starting out a new business you want to make sure that you have uh that tool uh to 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 go and get more sales and we started out we were two so uh, that being said you need to make sure that both of you are working towards the same goal and uh, we did have complementary skill sets Uh, my old partner had some some quality background uh that i didn't have Um, and a lot of the a lot of the the small business aspects is wearing a lot of hats so a lot of general uh skill sets in terms of not, not nothing too Deep in terms of, uh, you know, experience, but enough to to get around.
2: Did you say your old partner?
1: My old partner, yes.
2: So (laughs) that first or initial partner is no longer a partner? That's correct. Did you have a shareholders agreement? Yes, we did. Did you live by the shareholders agreement?
1: We didn't need to use it.
2: It was just kind of you figured out your way around it without it.
1: Well, basically, when it when it came time to to part ways, I, I just went and saw him and said, well, uh, I'd I'd like to buy you out, and here's what I'd like to give you for it, and he agreed. So we we didn't need to go into the the whole legality of, of shareholders agreement and stuff.
2: But important to set up a share was it difficult to set up a shareholders agreement at the outset?
1: Uh, on the outside, it was ver- it was actually pretty easy. Uh, really, you just need a, a good lawyer to guide you through it. Uh, and uh, Robert Faghi from Prevost Fortin, who is. Uh, The guy who I've been with since the inception of the company and is a a great lawyer and um, really helped us talk through it and and get through all the nitty gritty and make sure that it was fair for both of us.
2: I would imagine communication, certainly with your partner, employees, and anybody, is key. Did you have that communication properly established with your partner?
1: Um, In terms of?
2: In terms of (coughs) anything, whether it's day to day, whether it's vision, whether it's sharing ideas.
1: For the most part, yeah. Uh, up until the point where where I where I bought him out, uh, where that's that's where I think uh, our our visions kind of uh, really uh, didn't take the same the same turn. Uh, we had just finished buying our building. Uh, there was a lot more on the line. Uh, I felt that we needed to to push a little harder uh, and, and work a little harder. And uh, I think that's that's where we decided that uh, it was it was time to go.
0: Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800 with Eric Leclerc of Vicon Rubber. More with Eric in just a moment. 719 on CJAD 800, Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Josh Miller of Fuller Lando with you. And our guest, Eric Leclerc of Vicon Rubber. And Eric, we're talking about uh, your business, so very specialized, of course. Uh, how has government helped? And uh, is there a lot of help out there for people who are in in this kind of very uh... very specialized business in terms of programs in terms of grants
1: um, geez the, go- the government's helped quite a bit uh, there's there's quite a lot of programs out there uh, not just for specialized company I think for 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 most companies here in Quebec um, whether it be through uh, finance economy uh, Quebec which was uh, the old MDI year Local de développement Clds uh, even uh, even uh, the Canadian government has some programs that are available uh, that could uh, that could could make it make a real impact in terms of kind of investments that you're going to make in your company.
2: Do you find you have to fit within their specific box of criteria before you get dollar one or do you find them flexible? Do you find them working with you?
1: Oh, they're very inflexible. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you've really got to fit in the box. And if you don't, you're not getting anything. Uh, I mean, uh, it, it can be a very frustrating process uh, because for the longest time, every time we'd meet one of their new criteria, uh, they would change them uh for, for you know exports uh, amount of sales required uh, all kinds of, of crazy stuff so just when you think you're about to be eligible to to get a bursary uh they they change the numbers on you so it, it was a little aggravating it took us a, a good 2 years before we could actually uh get into a position where we could benefit from some of these programs uh unfortunately a lot of the programs benefit a lot of the uh, more mature businesses so any businesses under a million dollars uh, in sales um unfortunately aren't well served by some of those programs uh, you'll get better served by uh, development cld uh, with with different kind of programs that they might have to to help startups
2: and oh and you're dealing with government contacts direct you're not really dealing through consultants very much
1: no no we we deal directly through uh, with with the government uh, representatives in our area
2: and how do you what about r and d you know a lot of people and certainly in your business where you're designing you're developing a little bit. How have you used R&D tax credits to your benefit or not?
1: Uh, we used to do uh, R&D tax credits and stuff like that, uh, but the the process became uh, much too heavy for a company our size. Obviously, we, we we called on consultants for that, and they'd take their percentage uh, to to file the programs for us, and we, we weren't really uh, happy with the way things were going on. Uh, with the way things were being filed and the consultant, the consultant that we were actually using, so we've actually decided, and we've been doing this for the past uh, probably four or five years, is actually do the R and D work, do the development of the products, and actually charge the customer the expertise, so they can actually go in and get their R and D credits on their side.
2: It's interesting that you you, you know it's, it's so many entrepreneurs are saying you know <coughs> let's let's kind of bring it to our own bottom line and go through all the hassle and headache and report writing, I'm talking about the R&D, the shred uh, type credits, and you kind of turn that around and say, hey, you know what, customer, this is our value added. You can add more to your bottom line. You go out and get the R&D because you're already, in a sense, doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're developing a product. So uh, rubber is one of the components that goes into that product. So they're going to have... anywhere from two, three to 200, 2,000 components in which they're going to be working on for R&D. And there are systems already set up to go get those R&D credits.
2: And it's and it's actually great from a marketing perspective as well, I would imagine. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about marketing with Eric.
0: Eric LeClaire of Vicone Rubber, our guest on Today's Entrepreneur. It's 7.23 on cj eight hundred. 7.25 on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest is Eric LeClaire of Vicone Rubber. And uh, Josh, we talk a bit about marketing? marketing i'm I, you know
2: certainly new businesses up. you have your limited budgets because uh, you know everybody has to really watch where they where they spend all their dollars dollars to get their bottom line so maybe you can give us a little bit of an evolution of your marketing plans uh eric from the beginning kind of up until now
1: well, it's it's changed quite a bit. I mean, when you're a small company, obviously every dollar counts, and you're trying to stretch that dollar as far as you can. Uh, our, our marketing per se wasn't really marketing in the, in the purest form in the beginning. We, it was really passive. We were we were looking at the at the internet, and we were you know buying up AdWords and doing search engine optimization, and we we were able to grow quite a bit just based on that. So we would wait for the people to call and, or an email, and uh, obviously we did some prospecting in the beginning and, and, and did a lot of work upfront cold calling and a lot of cold calling <laughs> and more cold calling. Yeah. Uh, but after you get your, your, your little base there and you're going and we, we just let, let that go for, for a good five years, five, did six you, years.
2: Did you have experience with SEO and AdWords and all that? Did you outsource it? What did you, uh, how for, did you figure that out?
1: For the most part, we, we outsourced it. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a really true big believer in, in getting the right people doing the right jobs. Uh, uh, and uh, I know enough about SEO and SEM to get me into trouble yeah. uh, and spend a lot of money and waste it. So, with ever, ever since you know we, we've we we started business, we've we've always relied on on really good partners to help us with uh, the stuff that we're not good with. I mean, we we ask our customers to rely on us for high performance rubber parts and the design and development of those parts. So,
2: so, th- so that was organic for the, as you say, you know, five years or or so. Then, then how did it change? What did you change as far as? your efforts your your your, your slogans your taglines your what do you what do you pr- portray to people and how do you get to them what's kind of changed
1: well 3 years ago we did a complete rebranding uh changed the logo changed the uh, taglines changed the website uh and became more aggressive or more proactive if you would uh, in the marketing going to get new customers instead of waiting for people to call us and not doing any filtering whatsoever we would uh, actually filter ahead of time and target customers that we wanted to to speak with and we'd go that route
2: Focus groups. You ever use focus groups? Uh, Do you ever like kind of test out uh, your your ideas with anybody before you actually launch them?
1: Uh, from a marketing standpoint, uh, we basically rely on experience. We didn't, we're we're still a small company, so focus groups for us we uh, leave that to J and J and all the big pharmaceuticals. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, having having uh, a marketing expert with us uh, as a consultant in the beginning, and now someone you know full time dedicated to marketing makes a very big difference as well.
2: No, I, I think that's that's hugely important. Now, as businesses coming in, and, and kind of, you put marketing, you're, I'm looking at sales, and as a small business, I kind of wonder, and I've asked this question to a few uh, entrepreneurs before, it's hard to say no to customers when you're starting out. Have you ever said no to a customer?
1: A few times. A few times, yeah. Can you
2: remember one of the first times you said no when you decided, hey, you know what, I'm tired of dropping my pants, I'm tired of giving this stuff away.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's an interesting question, actually, because uh, one of the first uh, guys we hired on was uh, Norm. He's our tech uh, specialist now. Uh, Back then, he was taking care of sales, and uh, one of the the accounts that he was having a real hard time with, they were... Pushing us on delivery, pushing us on quality, pushing us on price. They were pushing, continually pushing. And uh, he was having a rough time. And they were starting to get a little aggressive with him. And uh, uh, after a few phone calls and a a few steamy phone calls from him, and I could hear it, he was sitting right beside me. I I told Norm, I said, you know what, just tell him to, to go buy a stealth elsewhere. Obviously, there's not a fit between our two companies. And he'll be probably better served by someone else.
2: And that was something that's kind of hard to do when you're a small business and you're scratching for every top line dollar.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and it was a decent account, a decent account back then. We were talking about ten, fifteen thousand dollars, which was uh, nothing to, nothing, nothing too shabby really. Uh, uh, but I guess to a certain point where the amount of energies that you're expending aren't worth what you're getting in return. And uh, if if we can't meet our customers' expectations, then uh, we get a bad rap in, in the industry, and we don't want to. We don't want to have. We have a really good reputation. We don't want to. We don't want to dirty it for anyone. So if we're not going to be able to serve someone to their expectations, we're just better off not serving them.
0: Eric Leclaire, our guest of Vicon Rubber on today's Entrepreneur. More after the break at 730. 7.36 on today's Entrepreneur. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and fellow Landos Josh Miller with you, and our guest is Eric Leclaire of Vicon Rubber, and uh, well, he. Sells rubber, and uh, it's a very specialized business, like we we're saying. So that, of course, leads us to to the people of Vicone Rubber, a specialized business requires specialized people. So, what kind of people uh, are you attracted to in terms of your hiring, and uh, what qualities do you look for in, in employees, Eric?
1: Well, the uh, the most important part to hiring someone, uh, you know, in my opinion, is to have someone whose values match your own. Uh, pertinent experience obviously is always <laughs> always an added bonus but uh, really it's a lot easier to show someone how to do something than to change their attitude so uh, having a positive attitude uh, being creative passionate uh, all very important things at vicom
2: do you try and make sure that your your vision and, and that passion really permeates throughout so that people really a culture develops within Vycone itself absolutely is uh, it
1: difficult Yes and no. I mean, we're a small team, so any any small thing that happens really affects the culture or or the mood. Uh, so it's it's really uh, important for us to make sure to try and try and make sure that the 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 environment is 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 pleasant for everyone. Uh, so anyone who gets hired at Vicom goes through uh, usually a, a, just a one day training just on Vicom. You know the the values, uh, the company, where we came from, who we are. Uh, where we're going, uh, above and beyond any of the other uh, stuff that they need to learn, uh, starting at Bytecom. E-
2: even though you are a small business, you have under ten employees. Do you still, you know, go through formal evaluations? Uh, oh yeah, you know the policy manuals. Like, like, do you still have your formalities? Even Very important.
1: Ones? Yeah, we we actually uh, hired on a consultant a few years back to make sure that we were uh, well structured from an HR standpoint. We do know. Uh, that it is the biggest challenge for uh, most businesses, if not all businesses. Uh, so we actually uh, have a really good partner in our area uh, with the uh, Quebec government, Emploi Quebec and François Boilly, uh, who really helped us out a lot and still does. I mean, uh, when I when I went to him and said, well, we want to do an employee manual, and we were four, mm-hmm. he looked at me and he was like, are you serious? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need an employee manual. We need the people who are starting to, to come on board to really understand what we are, uh, who we are, what we're about, and what's expected of them. In terms of uh, performance, in terms uh, and what they can expect from us, in terms of evaluations, in terms of bonuses, in terms of structure, in terms of uh, all all the terms that you really want to know about your business.
2: Now let let's shift gears a little bit. We're talking small business. We're talking getting getting your getting off the ground, finding sales, managing, and of course financing the dollars. You need money to operate. Let's talk a little bit about financing Vicon.
1: Do we have to? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's
2: talk about your love affair or love hate relationships with uh, with the banks.
1: I love my bank, just uh, just for the record. Sure you do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, just like he loves his kids. Uh, so so tell us a little bit. Uh, you know, from the beginning, did you did, did you really get involved? What was your first experience with financing? What was your last experience with financing? How has that differed? What have you
1: learned? Oh, geez, uh, it's 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 run the gamut really. Uh, we, we've uh, had financing pretty much since the inception of Vicone. Uh, in the beginning we were, were partnered with the BDC, uh, who were the only people who would touch us uh, and probably the only you know, government <laughs> body that will actually touch a, a startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they helped us out a lot in the beginning, uh, and they've been with us ever since uh, through the purchase of our building, the, the industrial condo that we're in now, uh, and other various projects that we've had. Uh, We've, we've always pretty much grown organically up until the past three years. Uh, so checking our cash flow making sure that's positive and reinvesting that in the company to grow. Uh,
2: so BDC was really term financing, it was never really financing <laughs> your working capital per se. Exactly. So now you're getting to a point where, well, maybe we should finance working capital.
1: Well, uh, what's transpired in the past two years is we've actually went out and got a line of credit. And that has been uh, one of the most arduous tasks I've ever done as an entrepreneur. Uh, Going to get sales, hard, yes. Getting financing for a small business, harder. Uh, It was was quite the feat and a lot of work and a lot of hours. And uh, it took us four tries to get it.
2: What was some of the either the lessons you learned, or the hardest part, or the, what was the, the toughest brick wall that you had to face with that?
1: Oh, geez. Uh. I mean, was it was
2: it a question of you know convincing the banks, uh, you know, that it's it's not risky? Was it you know trying to say, hey, your your heart and soul have been in this for a while? I mean, you you've been profitable since inception. So where was where did you find the hardest uphill battle?
1: It was convincing them that there was little or no risk. Uh, I mean, they're they're really risk averse. And coming out of the 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 recession two thousand eight two thousand nine, uh, there wasn't a lot of leeway with regards to ratios and stuff like that. So when you put your numbers forward, they look at them. They're, okay, they're good, but not good enough. Uh, especially being a small business, there's there's more risk involved, obviously, for them. Uh, so it was—it was, it was, it was a, a lot of dog and pony shows, a lot of trying to sell the business to them, and we finally hit on a bank that uh, that understood, that uh, that decided to back us.
2: Excellent. You mentioned recession. Did recession have effect on your business?
1: Uh, Yes and no, to a certain extent. I mean, we, we've we always had organic growth, and we've always grown at a steady pace and a, and a healthy pace. Uh, that year, 2008, 2009, we actually had zero growth, which was the first year in Vicon's history that we didn't grow. Uh, so, yes, there was an impact, but seeing as our customers are... are in various industries, various sizes, uh, geographically located all over North America. Uh, for us, it, the impact wasn't as big as possibly a lot of our uh, competitors or other businesses.
2: Now, le- now, you're talking, you mentioned geographic areas. Your, your customers are a little bit everywhere. Your suppliers, I, pr- I imagine, are in a number of different places too. Yep. Where, what parts of the world do you operate in?
1: Well, all of our subcontracting's done, uh, for the most part, uh, here in Canada, Quebec, uh, the States, and Asia.
2: Asia. So that must be an experience. It is. Uh, it, it, it it is. What have what have you learned? Like how long have you been working with Asia? I presume China for yes. the most part. Yeah. Uh
1: we've been doing business with uh, our Chinese suppliers uh, ever since inception, so nine years. Uh we've been doing business with the same Chinese suppliers since then. Uh we, we, we really believe in building partnerships and building strong relationships that will last uh, and we have worked with them through the nine years and we'll continue working with them to, to continue that relationship.
2: So your liver has gotten used to the Mao Tai or Firewater. Oh geez, you never
1: get it. used to that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what, what have you what, I guess from the time you started working with Chinese suppliers nine years ago to today, what have you changed? what have you improved what have you learned?
1: We've uh, used a lot more paperwork uh, and increased our communication and, and the depth and breadth of what we're communicating to them with regards to our requirements for our customers. Uh, really important. Uh, communication is key uh, in a North American business, even more so when it's being translated into another language like Chinese. Uh, You go to China and even some Chinese don't understand between themselves when they're speaking Chinese. So it's it's been a a big challenge or the biggest challenge, I think, in dealing with Chinese suppliers is that communication barrier, at least in our in our case.
2: And keeping your feet on the ground. How often do you do you visit or how often do you try to have people on the ground in China?
1: Uh, We've been there two times in the past year uh, typically we'll go there every six year uh six months or or year uh, i've been there five times myself uh our operations guy's been there twice so we try and keep good contact with them and and unlike doing business with your suppliers here in north america the personal relationship there is very important so that face-to-face time really does do a lot uh, for your business
2: and and i think that's huge i mean communication with everybody is huge. And uh, I think that's a lesson that you learn. Thank you very much, uh, Eric. I know as we come up to the next part of the show, what, one area we didn't touch upon is IT, which of course is a huge part of, of Eric's business, certainly when you're communicating with overseas,
0: but uh, also with every entrepreneur. And how to take your business with you when you travel. That's coming up on Today's Entrepreneur. It's 745. 7.48 on today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit the drives Quebec business. Stan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you and our guests this evening, Eric Leclerc of Vicon Rubber. And we'll also welcome back uh, Kevin Ammerman, IT Director at Fuller Landau. How are you, Kevin? Fine. Thank you. Good. So we want to talk about uh, traveling and Eric travels a lot. So how do you take your office with you? Um, and Josh, that, so that's a, a, a very common challenge for a modern entrepreneur. And certainly when you're traveling to
2: China, you know, and, and Eric's done that and I've, I've done that a little bit before, it's well, how do you also make sure information is secure and make sure you're logging in and it's not like the old dial up from the 1990s and how it's working well. So, maybe, uh, Kevin, you can enlighten us on uh, what is the best for today and what, what works. Well, uh, what works,
3: the question is sort of what's going to keep you secure. And uh, I guess the, the rule of thumb is if you're crossing any border, uh, you, you got to worry a little bit about the, the security of your information because crossing any border anywhere, uh, those border agents have rights to to seize your 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 stuff. OK, so whether it be a laptop or 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 a cell phone or anything like this, they have various rights to search and seize things. And you got to make sure that. Uh, well you might not be getting that equipment back for some time so if you have important information on there you got to make sure it's copied someplace else and you got to make sure that uh you you know you're you're ready to carry on and, and get past that
2: now what about connecting like what let's let's assume you've crossed the border okay mm-hmm. nobody is, has taken you you haven't been profiled and nobody's taken your goods uh you're working in this foreign land um how best to stay
3: connected well, that's really the trick is the connections are sometimes a little bit hard to come by. So um, you got to be you got to have a fallback plan. So uh, most traveling business people these days uh, have either some sort of webmail or maybe they have a VPN system to get back into their office.
2: What exactly is a VPN system?
3: Uh, VPN, it's uh, it's a virtual private network. What it does is it lets you work on your laptop outside of your office as if you were inside your office. Uh, which is very convenient and gives you access to all that the regular features that you have in your office. Uh, but it is, uh, it requires a pretty good, pretty persistent connection. And in a lot of cases when you're traveling, especially in Asia, those connections are filtered. They won't let you make those kind of connections back to your office. Even in Starbucks? <laughs> even in Starbucks. it's <laughs> <There's laughs> Wi-Fi everywhere. <laughs> in, in Starbucks, even a local Starbucks, that's a really good example of a place where you should be using a VPN to protect your information because it encrypts all the, all the data. Um, but yeah, in, in some places, they just they won't let you connect in that fashion. And it forces your they're, they're trying to get a better look at what you're sending back and forth to your home office is what it boils down to. Do you need any specific hardware or software in your own business? Um, usually most modern computers come with Windows, which is uh, capable of connecting to VPN pretty much out of the box. And then your, your home office, uh, you're going to need some sort of VPN router. So, yeah, usually there's some sort of hardware involved to set up a small
2: office. Eric, what have been your experiences when you're traveling in China? Have you been... Fortunate enough to be able to log on easily. Have you gone through some hellish uh, experiences? I've, I've
1: seen it all. Uh, depending on which hotel you're in and the kind of yeah. infrastructure they have for the internet, is 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 basically the key ingredient to actually connecting properly. Uh, if you've got a crappy internet connection, uh, you're not going to be able to connect. I, I use VPN, so I need a solid connection when I'm on, when I'm going online. To I, I don't keep anything on my laptop. Everything's in my mm-hmm. uh, office server. on the server. So uh, if my laptop does get confiscated, then I can get a new one and still have all my information and still be able to connect. Uh, the key is the internet connection. And I've been to some pretty shady places where, you know, it it is a fax line in the background and (laughs) it's, it's not
2: fun. Are you concerned about security as well? The people kind of stealing? Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, just, just, I was, I was in China, uh, last month and, uh, I was Skyping with, uh, with my girlfriend and, uh, Two days later, she got a request from some guy out of China uh, to, to 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 link to her profile, and you know that that's that's your secure network in China.
2: Sounds sounds like it uh, can be a little bit sketchy and a little bit tough at times. And I think there there's other areas that that I'm sure businesses can and entrepreneurs can do to tighten up their security a little bit, make sure that their between their hardware and their software is really good to go. Certainly when you're traveling to far off lands, and when we come back, we'll explore a little more with Kevin.
0: Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800 with Eric Leclerc of Vicon Rubber and Kevin Ammerman, IT Director at uh, Philolando. More after the break at 7.53. Remaining moments on Today's Entrepreneur with our guests, Eric Leclerc of Vicon Rubber and Kevin Ammerman, IT Director at Philolando. And for people who travel a lot like Eric, we're talking about taking your business with you uh... abroad and uh... Kevin what about mobile versus you know your traditional laptop which is more secure and and can people hack into your cell phone and retrieve documents and sensitive information the same way they can on your laptop Uh,
3: you gotta treat your mobile devices pretty much like a computer these days and people uh, often don't appreciate that that it's just as important to put passwords and security on your on your phones and your blackberries and your iPads and all these things um... it's just as important because you have access to the same information that you do from a regular laptop um, it's a little bit trickier. If if someone steals a laptop, um, it's it's you can take it into any Best Buy and get the hard the, the data off the hard drive. But uh, l- cell phones and mobile devices are a little trickier. But it is still possible to get information off of them, if, especially if they're not locked in the first place.
2: And w- what other areas can entrepreneurs? I mean, when they're traveling, uh, I mean, other than locking up their laptops and I mean, passwords. Let's talk passwords for a second. How important are passwords to maintain and keep and go and change and do?
3: Exceptionally important, and especially when you're traveling. Um, we've had reports of people's uh, passwords being sniffed, being taken while they're using online services. For example, uh, webmail clients and things like this. Uh, their passwords can be p- be picked up while they're being used. Um, it's important to be you know be conscious of the data that you're transferring, even when you're using a password and uh, keep those passwords, you know, fresh, change them every once in a while, not necessarily every month or every week or anything like this, but change them occasionally. Try to use different passwords for different services uh, to try and segment the, the different aspects of your life. So to try to keep your, at least your business and your personal stuff separated uh, so that if one password gets lost or compromised, you can uh, carry on with the rest of your life.
1: And and don't use 1111 as a password. <laughs>
2: <laughs> some, some places don't
3: even allow 111
1: one, one, or 1234. Our phone system got hacked, believe it or not. Really? Yep.
2: Now, how can you tell uh, sometimes you can get hacked and not even know about it? Is there any way to test to see if somebody's entered your system without your knowledge? It really depends on the system you're talking about.
3: So uh, the example of the phone system, again, it's a computer-based phone system, and, and people manage to dial in through a back door in the system. And it wasn't until the next bill arrived that uh, Eric noticed some red flags going off and he had to call in the pros to, to get that locked down. And as I recall, it took some time and some several conversations with the telephone company to get all those charges reversed.
1: We were actually pretty lucky. They told us some horror stories about some companies that that happened to. And I think our bill only ended up being like $800 or something like that. But there were stories of $10,000, $15,000. So one of the first questions they asked was, what's your password on your on your voicemail? Is mm-hmm. it 1111? <laughs> 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 I never thought that our phone system could get hacked.
2: N- nice and simple. Yes. A- and speaking about you know traveling and 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 mobile devices, and smartphones, I guess is also from a cost perspective. There's the plans. I mean, roaming charges can be an absolute fortune. Again, there's the shock when you get the bill.
3: So it's it's usually a few weeks after your trip, you get home, get that bill, and it's it's a disaster. Um, again, the the cell phone companies have heard all the stories before of uh, of uh, yeah. my my kid was using it and things like this. Um, <laughs> They don't th- care. Th- no, they don't care. No, <laughs> the bill's going to stick. And uh, it's, yeah, think ahead. Call your call your mobile carrier and see if they have some sort of roaming package for you and get them to explain a- approximately what it's going to cost if you do end up checking your, your email. Or w- actually, what seems to get most people is using maps abroad. Uh, mm-hmm. Downloading
2: those maps really uses up a lot of data and that gets very expensive. So basically, plan ahead, make sure things are secure, good passwords, and um, you got to make sure that uh, that you're doing it smart and not just kind of not planned. Yeah. So as we approach the end of the show, will turn to Eric and, and ask him what would be Eric, what would be one piece of advice, your piece of advice to today's entrepreneur?
1: Wow. Uh, one piece of advice. I think the most important advice that I can give anyone who's thinking about starting a business is to, to surround themselves, uh, with good people, uh, accountants, lawyers, mentors, uh, they're, they're a dime a dozen in, in the sense that whenever you hear someone talk about them, they're everywhere, but when you really want to find someone good, uh, it's really hard. And uh, once you get those good people in place, uh, they can really, really help leverage your ideas and uh, your efforts to really bring them to fruition to where you want to go.
2: Excellent. Thank you. And Dan, I'll tell you my takeaway other than building on uh, on Eric's comment of having the right people around you. It's really... Being aware, being self-aware and knowing what you don't know. You can't be a know-it-all. You might want, think you're a know-it-all or your partner might think you're a know-it-all uh, <laughs> or not. Um, but it's really knowing your limitations and knowing that you surrounding yourself with the people that can complement you will certainly help make your yourself a success. And the last thing is discipline. It was kind of an undertone, but discipline in any business is huge. And I think uh, Eric exemplified that
0: this evening. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Eric Leclerc of Vicon Rubber and Kevin Ammerman, IT Director at Fuller Landau, uh, back next week, next Monday night at 7 p.m. on News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.